now on Monday, July 12th, the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, announced that it will launch a month of Moral Mondays featuring peaceful civil disobedience in Washington, D.C. and other state capitals through August 2nd. It is being billed as the season of nonviolent moral action. This comes after the vote uh, for the People Act, a groundbreaking bill in defense of voter rights, failed to pass the Senate as Republicans voted against starting debate on it. The plan needed 60 votes to advance in the Senate split evenly by party. However, it fell along party lines in a 50-50 vote. It also comes after dozens of Texas Democrats fled the state in a last-ditch move to stop the passage of a new voter suppression law by the GOP-controlled Texas legislature. They traveled to Washington, D.C. to speak out against voter suppression and draw national attention to their cause. 51 of the 67 State House Democrats left on planes while several others arrived separately in Washington, making it enough people to prevent Texas Republicans from attaining a quorum. Now, preservation and expansion of voting rights will be part of the Poor People Campaign's agenda this month and part of the direct action. The Poor People's Campaign's season of nonviolent moral action kicked off with a mass call-in before, during, and after the July 12th press conference called by the group. And it will continue with a peaceful demonstration um, of women doing civil disobedience in Washington, D.C. on July 19th, the anniversary of the first Women's Rights Convention in Seneca Falls, New York. There will also be events in state capitals the following Monday, and, and August 2nd, nonviolent sit-in with peaceful civil disobedience in Washington, D.C. Uh, before we welcome our guest, let us hear um, the other joint coordinator of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, uh, the Reverend William Barber. When we look at where we are today, what is it costing us in America to have 140 million poor and low-wealth people in this, the richest nation in the world, in the country today. What is it costing us to have 43% of the nation, black, white, brown, Asian, indigenous, uh, uh, to be poor and low wealth? And you say there's not a scarcity of resources, but a scarcity of social justice conscience. Can you explain what you mean? Yeah, there's not a scarcity of resources or a scarcity of ideas. We know that people either uninsured or underinsured, we have the resources to insure them. And if we insure them, that investment would actually lift America. It would not hurt it any further. We know every time corporations want money, they get the tax cuts. But poor and low-wealth people get the short end of the stick, and it's hurting this nation. So there's not a scarcity of resources or a scarcity of ideas there's a scarcity of political consciousness, the will, and our campaign is saying that stops now with us. Well, let's talk about what this can look like, because you say this is more than any single bill or agenda or political power. But we are seeing elements of what you're pushing for now with some of the Biden administration's most recent measures taking on systemic ills. Do you think that the administration 
is getting off to a decent start in what you're what you're asking for. Sure, it's a better start. And in fact, we met with the policy team of the president before the inauguration. We took 35 people into that meeting, mostly poor and low-wealth people, public health specialists, environmentalists, economists, and lawyers, and we laid out what we call a 14-point plan for the healing of the nation. And we argued that you can't heal the nation unless you establish justice. The Constitution says that. So we said healing couldn't just be people being nice in their rhetoric. It had to be a real shift in public policy. Number one, we needed living wages. We needed health care for all. We need infrastructure that's targeted toward poor and low-wealth communities and infrastructure that addresses climate change. We said we needed restoration of the Voting Rights Act. So when we see those things being put forward in the House and pushed by the president, we are glad to see it. Now, the question, however, is getting them pushed all the way to policy and at a high enough level. We are deeply concerned when uh, there are those that don't even want, for instance, the president's infrastructure bill, and we believe even at the amount that it's at, it's not fully enough. Right. There there you go. And what uh, that was the Reverend uh, William Barber. I'd now like to welcome the Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, along with the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber II. She's also the director of the Cairo Center for Religions, Rights, and Social Justice at Union Theological Seminary. Uh, Reverend Theo Harris has spent over the past two decades organizing amongst the poor in the United States, working with and advising grassroots organizations uh, with significant victories, including the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, the Vermont Workers Center, Domestic Workers United, the National Union of the Homeless. Uh, she's a member of the National Welfare Rights uh, Union. Um, Reverend uh, Liz, as I refer to you as so good to have you back on Sojourner Truth. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me, Margaret. It's great to be with you. Now, Reverend Liz, uh, first, we would like to offer up our sympathy from the Sojourner Truth family. We know that you recently uh, lost your dad, and I imagine uh, growing up in the household with him, an activist in his own right, and your, and your mom, that was quite an early uh, training uh, for you. But, so before we talk about what's coming up with the Poor People's Campaign, just, just tell us a little bit about your dad, Reverend Liz. Well, well thanks so much. Yeah, so my father, Ethan uh, G. Theo Harris, uh, was one of the foremost critics and scholars of the FBI, and he helped to break open the abuse of power that the FBI and, and federal intelligence agencies um, was engaging in, you know, uh, uh, from, from their formation. Um, uh, and, and, and also, I think, really shows to us um, why it, it, it is on all of us to defend our democracy um, in, this, in this day and time, um, you know, from abuses of power, um, from those that are, are in positions of power that are supposed to be uh, lifting up this society, um, but who have often taken it upon themselves to, to um, promote um, white supremacy and um, authoritarianism um, instead of uh, the expansion of our democracy. And so 
um, uh, my father, you know, again, uh, exposed, opened up uh, so many of these abuses, so much of, of what the FBI was doing. Um, and uh, uh, his, his spirit is needed in this time, as, as we all are called, to defend our democracy um, and to, to really make sure that we lift um, from the bottom and, and let this whole society, especially poor and low-income people, um, rise um, and, and live the lives that, that, that everybody, everybody, everybody deserves. Yes, and, and Reverend Liz, um, your path here, I mean, you're not only uh, very committed to social justice work, you're very committed to your faith. I read an article that says that since 13, you were actually a Sunday school teacher, then you went on to be a deacon when you were just uh, 16 years old. But now here you are on the national stage, joint coordinator of the Poor People's Campaign, National Call for Moral Revival. Of course, the Poor People's Campaign begun called for by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King just months actually before he was assassinated. Um, Reverend Liz, the, you got together with Reverend Barber uh, made the call. I uh, just for true transparency, I'm a supporter and active with the Poor People's Campaign, uh, specifically here in California. But did you have any idea when you called for the first 40 days of action that we would be where we are today, and that this movement would have had the impact that it is having now? I mean, coordinating committees in 40 states. You have presidential candidates and now the president uh, talking about poverty in a way for the first time that I had not heard in decades. Uh, your reaction to the impact thus far, I know there's a lot more to do, but the impact thus far of the Poor People's Campaign, Reverend Liz. Well, well indeed, I, I, I mean, I think it, it is so important. Um, what we know uh, about history and and today and, and the impact that the Poor People's Campaign and National Call for Moral Revival is having is that when people, um, poor people and moral leaders and activists and advocates come together, um, especially when we're led by those that are most impacted by the injustices that we're trying to solve, that we can indeed make a difference. And, and this is actually how change happens. And so... So, you know, I've been engaged in very grassroots anti-poverty organizing for decades. You know, I, I, uh, I was brought into the movement by welfare rights leaders and homeless leaders. Um, they are who taught me about Dr. King's Poor People's Campaign and that, that was, you know, actually called for by the National Welfare Rights Organization and, and leaders out of Appalachia and American Indians and, and, and various folks that, that saw the, the kind of coming together of, of movements and, and the need to, uh, to organize back in the 60s that, that is still um, so with us today. And, and, um, and, and, and when I started organizing um, and, and when I personally have experienced poverty and homelessness my own self, uh, I often would not believe that, that we could really make the kind of, of change, the kind of difference that, that indeed folks are already making. Um, like, like you said, uh, poverty is on the national agenda um, in a way that it has not been in over a generation. Um, we ha have a, a president in office who, who all of us are, are continuing to, to, to need to, to challenge and call out, but who has said that, you know, trickle-down economics never worked and that, um, that he is committed to making 
ending poverty a theory of change, not just an aspiration, right? I mean, this is, this is powerful. This is significant. And what is perhaps even more powerful and significant is the thousands, the tens of thousands, the reaching to hundreds of thousands and millions of poor and low-income people and others who have started to organize, have been organizing for a very long time, are new to organizing, but who are out there on the streets, you know, in our communities saying uh, that, that we can do better. Um, and this lie that this is as good as it gets and that we don't have the kind of resources to actually address racism, to address poverty, that, that's just it. It's a lie. And so, so I am amazed and, and, and excited by the impact that the Poor People's Campaign is already having and know that we have been called in this time um, because we need uh, more leaders to come forward because, you know, our democracy is under attack. Um, when you live in a, a country that has the wherewithal and the productive capacity to end poverty and homelessness and uh, minimum wages now and, and, and fails to do so, um, then we need people, especially people that are impacted by, by poverty and, and, and injustice, to be out there uh, uh, calling us into action and calling us into to being the society that we, we can be. I do want you to talk about this uh, season uh, coming that began on this past Monday uh, where people in the Poor People's Campaign will be doing civil disobedience, including this action, women's action, happening in Washington, D.C. on July 19th. Reverend Liz. Great. So, indeed, uh, July 19th, as you said in, in your introduction, is the anniversary of the Seneca Falls Convention, um, where suffragists, um, women and men um, from across the United States gathered 173 years ago um, and put forward a declaration of sentiment um, uh, calling on uh, the nation. To, to fulfill its promise of democracy for everybody. And, and, and so this many years later, um, especially given the, the attacks on voting rights that this country is undergoing, um, the um, uh, women um, from all across the country, from, from different uh, geographies and races and creeds, um, will be taking action together. Um, putting forward a, a statement, a declaration of our own, um, calling on uh, the Senate and calling on the White House um, to, to do four things immediately, um, especially by August 6th, which is the anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. Um, we're, we're calling on the nation to, to pass all of the provisions of the For the People Act, um, uh, a bill that, that John Lewis helped to write, um, uh, that that would be about you know protecting and expanding voting rights for everyone. Um, we're we're saying that we have to reinstate all of the Voting Rights Act. The fact that we have fewer voting rights today than we did 56 years ago um, is just unconscionable. Um, we're 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 saying that we we need to end the filibuster, this racist filibuster that that is is making it so that not just we are denying the democracy that, that, that the, the people of this country um, desire and, and, and uh, are demanding, but also um, the filibuster that is blocking uh, infrastructure, that is blocking health care expansion, that is blocking so many of the things that people in this country need and, and are demanding. And we're also talking about the need 
to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Um, that We're just getting started with those demands. We have uh, a whole uh, host of, of demands that the Poor People's Campaign has put forward, but we're saying that that women um, and all people in this nation are, are called to take a stand and, and um, uh, you know, make sure that, that the nation hears uh, that, you know, 68% of people are in favor of the For the People Act. You know, uh, a, a vast majority of folks um, uh, agree with, um, and this is across political persuasion, uh, raising the minimum wage to a, a, a more living wage. Um, you know, folks have, have come forward and said we, we need to do so much more, so much better, and that economic justice and and um, civil rights and civil liberties need to be at the very center of our nation. And so, uh, again, we will, we will take action on Monday in Washington, D.C., near the Supreme Court, um, and, and hope that, that people will, will join us online um, and then also sign up to be a part of this season of nonviolent direct action that is, is sweeping the country. Right, and then the following Monday, actions will happen at state capitals. Uh, Reverend Liz, just very quickly, today, uh, checks are arriving in the mail for the child tax credit, and there are issues with the child tax credit. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, we know that it, it, it won't end poverty, but it certainly uh, will help um, you know families that uh, extra $250 or $300 a month, depending on the age of your child. But Reverend Liz, I don't know that the child tax credit even would have gotten through, even though a lot of us have been working on something like this and the right to welfare for a long time without the context of the Poor People's Campaign. Just a, a final thought uh, from you, Reverend Liz Theo Harris. So indeed, um, you know, we are able to make a change in this nation when, when, when we work together. And, and, and this child tax credit, um, we need it to be... Uh, made permanent we made it we needed to continue to be universal and 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 be for everybody but but we need programs like it that start with those that are poor and marginalized and work from there um, we need to center um like the welfare rights movement and and like so many um folks across this country have been fighting for for a long time um but when we do come right. together when we do organize when we do put that pressure um, we can make life better for us and for our children and future generations. And so, you know, hope that people will join the Poor People's Campaign. Go to poorpeoplescampaign.org to, to sign up to be a part of the season. Um, if you're in California or any state across the country, you know, connect up with the coordinating committees in those states um, because we have the power to, 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 to change this society for the better. Yes, we certainly do. And the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, it's the most vibrant, I'll have to say, and powerful movement that I have seen in many, many decades. So thank you, Reverend Leslie Harris, uh, for your work, your continued efforts in taking the time to join us. And apologies for our technical trouble this morning. Thank you so very much. Thank you.